Welcome to Good Medicine Explained. I'm your host, Dr. James R. Brown. This is episode number 17 for the week of September the 27th, 2020. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my explanations of various health disorders and medical conditions. My goal is to provide you, the listener, with new insights and awareness of how our bodies function, how medical professionals identify and treat medical problems, and how one can cultivate a lifestyle and practice that can prevent or reduce several health problems. On Friday, September 18, 2020, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died after a courageous battle fighting against repeated bouts of cancer. Included, along with the release of this sad news, was her written request not to hold confirmation proceedings for her replacement until after the November 3rd election. As I reflect on RBG's thoughtful action to make her will known in writing upon her death, I thought this would be an appropriate time to talk about medical advance directives. Even though we all know that one day our physical bodies will stop functioning, very few of us have had discussions or made preparations for our eventual demise. We all expect that we will have tomorrow to make those kinds of decisions. But for many people, they're caught off guard or by surprise. In many instances, death is not sudden and quick, and it can take several days, weeks, or even months for biological functioning to cease. In many situations where a person is seriously or critically ill, the spouse or other family members are left trying to figure out or estimate what medical decisions the loved one would want done on their behalf, given the circumstances. Unfortunately, I have witnessed and participated in emotionally distressful decisions being made, and afterwards, significant guilt imposed on people who felt coerced into making life and death decisions. Medical advance directives are designed to help relieve loved ones from such a burden and improve the chances that your medical preferences about medical care and end-of-life issues will be carried out. So, the natural question is, what is an advanced directive? An advanced directive is simply a set of instructions regarding the delivery of care and medical treatments that are acceptable or unacceptable to a person in advance of ill health. State laws and courts decide whether these documents are valid or not. So, what would be the purpose of creating a medical advance directive? Well, again, it's directing medical decisions and treatment. It can also be used to determine what to do with your body. Donate for transplants, donate for science, donate for medical students. I am forever grateful 
even today, for the lady that donated her body to the medical school at University of Michigan that helped me in my medical education. Another natural question would be, who should or shouldn't consider making an advanced directive? Well, anyone out there who may be experiencing a progressive advancing disease should be thinking about this. Or anyone with limited knowledge in legal matters who want to protect their assets and reduce liabilities and other asset uh, challenges. Now, before making an advanced directive, it's recommended that you actually converse or consult with several people. Naturally, you want to consult with your family members or anyone who you anticipate serving as an agent or executor for your advanced directive. Of course, you want to speak with your physician who would be following those guidelines, as well as maybe a clergy person or someone you trust uh, in spiritual matters or other concerns about your life. Now, what are the different types of advanced directives? There is the living will, there's the durable power of attorney for health care, and there's even the DNR, or do not resuscitate order. Well, how do the different advanced directives differ from one another? A living will is a type of advanced directive that becomes effective when a person becomes terminally ill. Usually, two physicians familiar with the patient's care are required to legally declare that a person is going to be terminally ill. A living will is an ironclad document that can only be changed by its author. Family members cannot override the terms specified in such a document. However, if a living will is written too vaguely, sometimes an emotionally charged family can persuade a physician to capitulate to the demands of the family. Things that are typically included in comprehensive living wills include your preferences for CPR or DNR, mechanical ventilation or what's known as do not intubate, tube feeding, dialysis, antibiotics or antiviral medication administration, palliative care, which is comfort care, organ and tissue donations, or actual donation of your body for medical science. A durable power of attorney for health care is also known as a health care POA, that's power of attorney, a health proxy, or other such terms. A durable power of attorney gives another person that you have designated as an executor or agent the right to make all medical care decisions and leaves nothing to a physician's interpretation. 
in a robust estate plan, advanced directives such as living wills and health care power of attorneys can be used to complement each other, helping to ensure that your medical preferences are being honored and takes away the burden and guilt that often falls on loved ones' shoulders who have to make such decisions. Other issues that can be included in your advance directive include issues such as long-term care, comfort or palliative care, and hospice care, should that become necessary. Now, a DNR, or Do Not Resuscitate Order, is another type of advance directive. It specifically instructs physicians and an entire hospital staff, or if you're in a skilled nursing facility, that team of individuals regarding the administration of life-saving measures in a health crisis situation. The DNR order is a document that includes medical administration should you be found to be unconscious or not breathing or your heart has paused. Uh, It includes items of treatment, including CPR, where people will uh, administer just breathing uh, to you through your mouth or through a breathing tube if you're intubated. It might include the administration of medications to help uh, activate or stimulate your heart to beat. It might include chest compressions to try and massage the heart and get it to uh, beat again. Uh, It could include uh, intubation if you were not intubated at the time of discovery. And it could include no action whatsoever uh, if that is your choice, which is known as the do not resuscitate order. Now, you can have a living will, a durable medical power of attorney, and a specifically written DNR order. But in many states, the power of attorney may or may not be bound to the terms noted in a living will. So it's important that if you're crafting such a document that you consult with the uh, state laws regarding these documents. It's also recommended that you carry a wallet-sized card that indicates you have an advance directive and identifies who your health care agent is and states where copies of your advance directive might be found. If you're traveling, it's also a good idea to have a copy of your advance directive with you for that purpose. Now, you can change your advance directive at any time, provided that you're mentally competent. But if you do, you must create new forms and make sure that the new advance directive is distributed to all the necessary parties. If you are just doing a review of your advance directive, uh, you want to do that in a way that makes sense to your current wishes. 
So for example, if you get a new diagnosis that you didn't have before you wrote your advanced directive and your thoughts or ideas about your medical condition have changed, then you may want to do a revision of your advanced directive. If you have a change in your marital status, if you have become divorced or widowed, you may have uh, new wishes and persons that you want involved in your medical decision-making. And it's generally recommended that about every 10 years, if you have written an advanced directive, you review it and make any additions or corrections as you may feel appropriate at that time. There's another document uh, that's not considered an advanced directive that is actually important uh, for emergency medical techs and paramedics. That's known as the Physician Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment. It's called the P-O-L-S-T, a POLST form. The POLST form is a set of specific medical orders that a seriously ill person can fill out and get signed by their primary care physician. The original signed form should stay with the patient in their possession, but it addresses a person's wishes regarding CPR, delivery to an ER or hospital, and issues like that. Since emergency personnel, like paramedics and EMTs, are required to utilize every possible and available means to keep a person alive, they legally cannot follow an advanced directive, but they can follow a pulsed form. Again, the physician orders for life-sustaining treatment. The advanced directive should be consistent with the pulsed form. Copies and faxes of a pulsed are considered valid in the state of California. On a pulsed form, they have about four or five sections on it that identify particular treatment options. For example, section A describes whether CPR is acceptable. Section B describes medical interventions, be they full, selective, or comfort-focused treatments. Section C describes artificially administered nutrition or tube feedings. Section D describes information involving the parties that are involved with medical decision-making, including their signatures and dates. Now, another question people ask is, how much time does it take to make an advance directive? Well, again, it depends on the level of detail and description that you want to ensue. And it could take from just one day, if you know very precisely what you want, or it could take as many as several months as you gather more information about your health condition or other things like that. There are toolkits for 
health care advance planning that are available online. Uh, some popular ones that are free to, that you can download can be found under LegalZoom.com or RocketLawyer.com. Another question many people ask is, what are the legal ramifications of not following a medical advance directive? Well, if a hospital is found guilty of not honoring an advance directive, the hospital may be fined for not following Medicare conditions of participation. A physician can be disciplined by the respective state medical licensing board. And both the hospital and the involved physicians can be sued for medical malpractice liability. So the legal standards of the end-of-life care will vary by state. So physicians are being warned and encouraged to document everything they counsel or tell their patients about significant risks and alternatives to an intervention that's being proposed. So let me just go back and do a summary of what I think are the important points of this discussion. All of us are going to die one day, and making some plans in advance of this absolute eventuality is a loving gesture to surviving family and friends. An advance directive is a legal document which can specify in general or very specific terms what medical treatments you would prefer to have done on your behalf if you're unable to communicate your wishes. Third, you should also talk with loved ones, clergy, attorneys, or other stakeholders who you anticipate would be acting on your behalf in such a situation. And last, an advance directive can be modified or rewritten if your life circumstances change unexpectedly. If this particular topic or any of the previous episodes have provoked questions for you, be reassured that I do regular Q&As on my Instagram account at jrbrownmd, where you can submit your questions there through direct message. Again, I emphasize that I do not serve as a replacement or substitute for your own personal physicians, nor do I provide individualized consultations outside of my practice. As I regularly do, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my podcast team, Lauren and Natalie, who are responsible for helping make this podcast possible. I'd also like to encourage everyone listening to get your annual flu shots now if you haven't done so already. I remind you symptoms of an annual flu are indistinguishable from the coronavirus symptoms. Plus, you should want to be part of the solution and not the problem. Finally, I want to repeat the concluding message that I've been giving for the last two months in my episodes. Please, please make sure that you're registered to vote. 
it's preferable that you go in person on November 3rd to cast your vote. But if you prefer to use a mail-in ballot, please submit it early and confirm that it's been received by your county elections or voter registration office at least one to two weeks before November 3rd. Lastly, 200,000 Americans have died in the last eight months from the coronavirus COVID-19 infection alone. There are still three months remaining in 2020. America has a very sick and dysfunctional health care system. Your vote, added to millions of other people, will help determine the future course of health care in our country. Until our next opportunity, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you have a peaceful heart. Mm-hmm.